the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to a special episode of Beyond the Pitch. It's delighted to be joined by the magnificent Jan Agafjordov. Of course, Jan's been on the show a number of times before. He's also had a very interesting summer. Um, he has been one of the best sources, of course, for what's been going on in Germany with Sancho uh, and many other. I'm here to talk to him about that, about um, the, this emerging young Norwegian team and a few other things. So first of all, Jan, how you doing? I'm fine, and yourself? All good, can't complain, can't complain, so uh, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I want to ask you, first of all, because you get what I get, so let's clear the record, you're someone that doesn't, you, you, you report the news, you don't create the news, so whenever you give a transfer updates that are not what people want to hear, you end up getting abuse. Um, I get it too, lots of other people get it too. Is that has that been a new thing for you this summer, Juan? Yeah. Now, the, the good thing for me that it hasn't been new because I've had it since I was 18 in different roles. <laughs> so so the, good, the good thing about Twitter is that and people don't know that. I mean, there's a lot of people going into, to, they say they want news, but as you said, they, they don't want you, news. They want good news. They want yeah. news, news that fit their club. Mm-hmm. But I, I decided when I went into that kind of area that I would... I didn't know anything about Partey going to to Arsenal or mm-hmm. or or whatever. I when I my speciality more or less is between Germany and England, and uh, then sometimes I'm lucky with with Hauge going to AC Milan. But this is not a, this is more like a consequence of the job I'm doing for those leagues when I do TV, and mm-hmm. and then over the years I know a lot of different people, so I try to report what I hear, what I can confirm that I know, but. Yeah, the abuse. There are there are different tools at Twitter. First of all, there is blocking. I do that right. seldom, but sometimes I do that when there is abusive language. Right. I block people. But there is also another function that I don't know people know about. But but if you have a conversation, you can kind of just hide the conversation where you're in. So mm-hmm. uh, I use that a lot. But but I have to. Sometimes I'm 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 I knew when things are going so intense. For example, with Sancho. And I talked to people, I said, there's no chance that it will go. I thought, should I put that on? Because yeah. I would point so many people. But you've got to do what you've got to do. Yeah, listen, um, I get exactly the same information and the same reticence. I know as soon as I tweet this, I mute the conversation immediately because I know exactly what's coming. Uh, I don't want to read it. I don't want it to affect my day. Uh, and I was getting the same information that you were getting, that this transfer was never even close to happening at all. Um, were you bemused by United strategy on this? No, but f- first of all, I knew about the strategy for Dortmund, and I've, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, because of Erling Haaland going to Dortmund, mm-hmm. I kind of uh, re- re- reconnect with Dortmund again. Because when I, I worked for Sky Germany from 11 till 14, and Jurgen Klopp was the manager there, uh, I, I was able to be a part of them going from to the Champions League final at Wembley, where they ending up losing, and it was unbelievable to be a part of that journey of. Of Dortmund, and when Erling Holland uh, came along, I followed all his games. So I, I got to know the people of and around Dortmund because there are sometimes it's easier to get your your information from from the people who speak to the people, and, and somehow mm-hmm. you got to respect them as well. And 
But nice. there are some people that say, yeah, Jan, you don't have sources, you don't speak to <laughs> people. knew the sources that I really had. If I could, if I could tell what I really mm-hmm. knew, uh, but sometimes you, you get, you, you get, Jan, uh, I can tell you this, but you can't report it in that of way. Of course, yes. I, I, will, I will do a, a funny story because uh, some years ago, Tony Cross was connected, linked with Manchester United. Uh, I was writing that Manchester United uh, would would get that player, uh, uh, and he ended up going to Real Madrid because it's it's tough when Real Madrid comes on the stage. Then then the, I talked to the staff for Manchester United. They called me and asked me about the player. And it was then funny on Twitter when people say, "Yeah, and you have no clue what you're talking about. You're not in for this player." So sometimes it's a bit funny, but like I said, I played football. I, I was a striker. I didn't hit the goal all the time, so I, I'm used to getting booed. I'm, I'm used to get some abuse, so uh, but that's okay. It's just insanity to me, though, that people would look at this and think, this guy played professional football in the Premier League. He played professional football for his country. He played professional football in Germany. Did You wouldn't pick up a contact here or there along the way? I mean, it's truly... I've been working on football for 10 years. What do they think we do? I mean, do they not think you speak to people? Yeah, it's, yeah it's exactly. But the, the thing is now it's lucky as well because it's it's kind of my generation who kind of get into different roles uh, around the, the the football world. And it's also that I, I'm not a full-time journalist. I'm, well, it's 20% of what I'm doing is TV and all that stuff. And I got a communication company in Norway. Uh, I, I work a lot of, around Europe. And then you end up, like you said, you, you end up meeting a lot of people and, and you will, you'll talk to them. Having said that, I mean, uh, I grew up in a very small village of Norway, 900 inhabitants, very small village by the mm-hmm. coast. And I, I remember in that time we didn't have transfer window. We didn't even pay transfer right. for my sixth division team. But I remember <laughs> the 12-year-old Jan being very, very... I, I was so excited if we could get a new player ahead of a new season. And that yeah. was Division 6 in Norway. So some 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 way you you got to respect the people that you're reporting to even even if they sometimes go over the board and kind of we want Sancho we want this we want that uh, but you have to understand that a lot of these people they have notification everything that's said about Sancho so, so I can understand that and, and especially Manchester United fans that seems to be kind of lost in some transfer windows except Bruno Fernandes was a great great signing in the winter difficult mm-hmm. winter transfer window so some some way you have to understand this excitement as well because you know maybe a one or two players away from being excited again a lot of these people they grew up seeing Beckham they've seen uh, Cantona they see signing great players like Ashley Cole and Teddy Sheringham and Solskjaer or whatever and so you kind of, I understand what people are very, very excited about transfer windows. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a 43-year-old man and I still get excited. Um, but uh, tell me a little bit about Solskjaer. You know Solskjaer well. Um, do you think he's going to be happy with what he saw in this window? But I think that every every manager will, will, will put in his demands. The problem is with Manchester United, you don't have, you don't have that role between the manager and the CEO, Udwood. So I think that makes it a bit more difficult for Manchester United, although they have a staff who are kind of responsible for that. I mean, I think everybody understands that Sancho was the number one target for, for Ole Gunnar. So 
without I haven't talked with, to him about that, but uh, of course he won't be happy because he wanted class player. He will he, he would like two or three new uh, great players. I'm sure that he wanted that. And and I mean Sancho would have been great for them. And sometimes during this thing that uh, I mean I think I I can in, in a neutral way analyze this because. Uh, Jadon Sancho would be a perfect signing for Manchester United, not only in the way he producing chances, the way he producing goals, the way he takes on people, but he would also be kind of the, the biggest transfer of the window that would excite Manchester United fans all around the world. So I think that would be a perfect signing for Manchester mm -hmm. United and obviously that will disappoint them. We. I look at Sully and I think if he walked away today, uh, do you, has his reputation been enhanced by what he's done at Manchester United? I mean, you look at what he did the second half of last season and I thought he'd done a fantastic job. It's a difficult football club to manage. Uh, but do you think if he walks away today, he has done a good job and his reputation has been enhanced? I think that the, the way he managed to get a third place last season in the Champions League, that was perfect. That was that was down to him as well because if we blame him for not playing well, we also have to give him the credit when they kind of turn around a bit yeah. how they played. With Bruno Fernandes, well, yes, he was very vital. He was uh, the, the key part of that. But all, there was all who took him on as well, so we can't only blame him for the for the bad things. I think that the the, the hardest thing for a Manchester United manager is to come after Sir Alex Ferguson. They tried every position or role or different defined coach. They, they, they went for a copy in David Moyes who was similar to him and and Sir Alex Ferguson was probably a part of that saying that David yeah. Moyes should be the new manager. Then they, they went Van Gaal, one of the most experienced coaches in the world, being good more or less everywhere, a bit crazy but still been a, been a good man around in Bayern Munich and all Barcelona and all that kind of thing. Then they got a, the manager with, whose speciality is to win trophies. Uh, he, uh, he won trophies as well as Manchester United, but he didn't succeed. So, so this is a very, very tough job. Uh, I, I guess uh, if you if you take on a job as a club legend, it's always hard, whatever happened, because you can never end up being as good as manager as you are as a player. There are not many examples of that uh, in and around our football business and so it's going to be hard for him anyway but uh, the start of this season has been poor uh, I think that everybody can see that but uh, still the result is that last last year they managed to take the, the third position the premiership which which were that team and where, where they all started which have to be seen as a good performance let me ask you about uh, this young phenomenal talent in Erling Holland um, because I look at this kid I saw the goals he scored against Northern Ireland and obviously I've seen the goals he scored every week for, for Dortmund one of the things that is amazing to me is how quickly he gets through on goal he is so confident he takes his shots early um, brilliant brilliant striker glorious finisher how good is this kid oh he's a phenomenon phenomen. uh, he's yeah. uh, Believable. Uh, he's got he got the hat trick now against Romania. Uh, mm -hmm. We are playing the game tomorrow against Northern Ireland. Uh, tomorrow being Wednesday, and uh, it, it's it's amazing how he's developed. And the good thing about him is that he got a great attitude. He is yeah. very, very professional in every level. He tried to improve. He's one of the good guys. He sometimes in his interviews he make maybe another impression, but but this guy. 
he's 20, and this guy likes to have a, a, a bit go with the journalist. I'm, I'm being a been a receiver. I've never had a problem with him because he probably know what I will give him back. But uh, <laughs> all the Champions League campaign started, and then he started in Salzburg, and I was having a lunch with him, him and his dad. And I said, "Listen, my friend, I've seen your interviews in in Austria. Uh, just don't, don't ever try." But of course, he's trying because he's twenty. That 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 is uh, what it, what is is all about. But uh, I mean. The way he, the way he scores goals, his hunger for goals, his his ability to to get the right runs, and I mean, and I, that was the the most thing that impressed me when I saw him. Uh, I, I, I I've obviously seen him in Norway, but the first time I saw him live, I think, was at Anfield when he when he came on against Liverpool. And not only did he score a goal that he was all on his own in front of the goal because of his great run, but if he had players around him who who would seen his run. He could have scored three, four goals, and he, and he was on for 25, 30 minutes. And you've seen that for Dortmund. If you have players who kind of play him in the right positions, as he now got for the Norwegian national team, he scored the hat-trick now against Romania. Martin Erdogan made two assists, two brilliant assists. So he, if he got people around him, his, his run are second to none. I, I, I'm not sure that I, there is any player in, in the world at this moment who is better to time his run, and not only are the runs good, the way he creates space for himself, avoiding always, he's mm -hmm. a guy who never runs in offside, it's a funny thing as well, just shows you the way he times his run, and with this powerful, this powerness that he got in his game, is just like unbelievable. Let me talk about his release clause because that's a big thing. People talk. People are saying that this summer he's available, I think for 60, 70 million. What is the situation with his release clause, Jan? Based on German uh, contracts, uh, they normally have uh, um, clause, clauses in there. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm 100% sure that wasn't the case this summer. Uh, we, we, I can't comment on his contract um, uh, particularly, but normally in Germany they they kind of come in in season two, which then will be next summer, and then we'll see what he's doing. What we what we have learned from Team Holland is that they so far they have never picked. The biggest offer they have never picked the biggest club they have always picked a club who can develop the player at most which they did when they went to Salzburg being a part of the Red Bull Red Bull mm -hmm. project and what they've done now going to Dortmund Dortmund is not a small club but still it's a smaller club than the, uh, the, the um, possibilities you had around the world I want to ask you about this project big picture um, because uh, I just had Andy Gray on the show right before you. Uh, I was interested to hear what he had to say. What's your take on all of this, Jan? Well, I think I think that we just have to start with a positive thing about that something happening because it can't be that you have in a, one country unbe unbelievable rich clubs and the smaller clubs kind of going bankrupt. So mm -hmm. the system is not perfect, not at all, not perfect at all. Do I think that the sixth biggest club with foreign owners should go in and sort that out? No, not at all. Do I think that the Americans, sorry for, <laughs> I know where you're <laughs> it's all right. that the Americans should go in and kind of make a, a kind of American way of doing the proud English football? No, not at all. Uh, do I think that uh, these clubs should just do it and kind of hold the other clubs in uh, as a ransom and, and ask kind of kidnap the ideas and the initiative because they're big not at all 
I hopefully they, they can use this to rethink the system. Because if you see proud clubs like Bury or whatever, uh, clubs that kind of just disappear off the map, then you can say, well, they had a chance, they, they had some local business people or whatever. But, but we, know, we know that the system is not perfect if you have only the Premier League who, who kind of, or the upper Premier League, who kind of survive, and they survive on, on oligarchs or uh, Middle East oil or American money. I don't think that system is perfect at all. So I hope, I hope that this, this could be a start that people wake up, that they wake up that they need to be to make this fairer. Uh, when you see what the different players earn, how much do you are you you you, you pay for them, and and these uh, transfer fee can kind of <clears throat> keep 10, 12 clubs in the football league uh, alive. Then you know that the system is bad and. You, you can't end up like these six, seven, six clubs uh, playing each other. They need to play Fulham. They mm -hmm. need to play Sheffield United. They need to play uh, the clubs who get promoted, if, even if that's Brentford. That is the part of our yeah. uh, legacy. And, and if we take that away, we, we have, in English football, we have taken away so many fans because of the, the tickets prices. And I can see that in, in the stadiums, when I compare the English football stadiums compared with the German football stadiums, there are a different atmosphere. Yep. And, and I think that people should be aware of that because someday the big TV stations who now pay the big money, they will say, well, there's no atmosphere at the stadium. Who are the people who are at the stadium? Are there only the corporate fans? And not like in Germany, you have all the, the masses, so to say, who can afford it. The ticket. So um, it's worrying times, and hopefully this initiative can be used for people to wake up. Last question, Jan. I want to ask you about this magnificent Norwegian team. Uh, you've got Holland, you've got Sorloff, you've got Odegaard, you've got Holger, you've got, you've got Christian Eger. How good is this Norwegian team? Good players, very talented players. Uh, the reason I'm saying that is that uh, for a small nation like Norway, it's... Mm -hmm. uh, it's with proudness that we see that we have those kind of players. Having said that, I mean, we had some wake-up calls lately. We played an Austria team, Austrian team that a lot of people in Norway underestimated because if you see the, the players they've got, maybe not the most famous one, but they're all more or less playing in the German Bundesliga. Uh, we had the same with Serbia. They, came, they had three people on the bench. Jovic, uh, the Real Madrid, he couldn't even get on the pitch. Uh, so there are other teams doing well as well. So the problem for us now that we have... We have many attacking players, people going forward. We, we were based in the old days when we were quite good uh, on a great defense. And then somehow we built up an attacking way of playing. Um, but now with Erdegor and, and Holland, we have two of the best talents around in Hauge. We had a player that for three, two, three years ago, he played at the fourth level in Norway. He was on loan to a club called Olesund and he played in their second team. So that is a, a story in itself. But I'm a bit worried that we don't have the, the great balance in our team. We're, we're a little, we are a bit lack of defenders in our small country. So hopefully we can change around. Hopefully now we had a match ball against Serbia and we missed that one. Serbia were a better team. So hopefully now in a, in a new qualification, it's time for us to qualify again. Last time we qualified for a championship was... 20 years ago, uh, mm -hmm. but, but people like myself, uh, being a part of the US World Cup, 
we, when we qualify that, that was the first time since 1938. So hopefully we don't have to wait that long this time. <laughs> I hope not. I still remember that old Norwegian team, uh, some brilliant characters in there. Um, Jan, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. You're brilliant on Twitter. Thank you for all the work that you do. Ignore the trolls. Keep doing what you're doing. And thank you for taking the time to join me. I really appreciate it. And uh, it was a pleasure to be on. And please ask me again. And likewise, I love your work. Cheers, mate. Thank you so much, John. You're a gentleman. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. <clears throat>